All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time to present the three-year forecast. Um, we are going to be taking a look today at the mid-year jobs update, the second quarter Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index, and the AEDC three-year outlook report, and a new reporting tool, the Anchorage Real-Time Jobs Labor Demand Report. Now, I want to note that this is over 50 pages of data between these different reports, and you're going to get the high-level, quick overview of all of this data, trying to sew it together in the message that we are providing you today about the future of the Anchorage economy. All of the reports are going to be available right now on aedcweb.com. For those of you who are real data hounds, I'm sure you'll have your smartphones out here in just a moment reading along with us. So with that, let's begin. So again, we're going to dive into a whole number of different aspects of the Anchorage economy, but before we do that, we want to talk about this new reporting tool that we are now rolling out today. This is going to be a quarterly report that we're going to be providing both to employers and the public in a way to help equip you with better information about what is going on in our jobs market. We are very excited about this tool. We know it's still got some opportunities for further expansion and growth, and we're going to be very interested in getting your feedback as you get a chance to review the report. So don't be shy about dropping me an email or a phone call to let me know what you think we can do to make this report even more valuable. So let's dive into it. This is compiled by JobsEQ and generously sponsored by KeyBank. This report uses a web scraping tool that goes out and searches out employer websites, as well as helpwanted.com, anchoragehelpwanted.com, Monster, all of these different national sites and regional sites that post jobs. It pulls together all the job postings, deduplicates them, and then derives them down into the data sets that we are presenting you today. We're going to give you just a bit of a high-level view of this report. Again, it's 27 pages long. Um, what we have first and foremost is the high-level data, which is that in the second quarter of this year, nearly 16,500 jobs were posted by Anchorage employers for jobs in Anchorage. We had nearly 10,000 job titles posted, and we saw almost 3,000, a little over 3,000 different employers posting jobs. We also saw over 600 different unique uh, occupancies represented, as well as almost 300 different certifications, education attainment requirements that employers were seeking for different positions. So let's just give you a quick snapshot of what that data looks like. So first of all, here's the top 10 job postings out of the top 100 that we have contained in the report. It's got a lot of different interesting things. Not surprisingly, retail jobs are at the top of that list. Um, by the way, the fill rate on that right now is running at about 60% based on the data in the report. There is a significant shortage of workforce, and honestly, we are getting complaints from across all economic sectors in Anchorage this year about the lack of available candidates to fill available positions, uh, especially on the qualified candidate side. But I would also point out another interesting notation here. Would you think that registered nurses would be the third most uh, in-demand position in Anchorage? Fascinating, almost 500 positions posted in the last quarter, only about 200 of those positions based on the data filled. So what we are seeing is, is some interesting data in this report that is informative to employers to better help you to understand you're not the only one necessarily having a problem filling jobs. And it also is giving information to would-be employees these are the jobs that are in demand, these are the jobs that may not be getting filled enough, and these are the jobs that maybe you should be training for. So let's look at another point on this. Top 10 employers. This will also give you a sense of who is out there posting a lot of jobs. Healthcare industry is a strong player in this particular sector, or particular list. 
But we have other industries represented in this, and we have the top 50 employers represented in the report. When we look at the uh, most sought after certificates, you see a wide range of different kinds of certificates. Some may be a little surprising, like secret clearance. I didn't realize we had a lot of uh, you know, high level intelligence jobs in Anchorage, but apparently you know, there's something going on there. Uh, but we have a lot of healthcare industry certifications as well as general broad-based business certifications in the top 10. Again, we provide the top 100 certifications in the report. When we look at uh, most sought after hard skills, hard skills and soft skills, these are just abilities. Obviously, the ability to use the Microsoft uh, Office suite is a pretty big deal. And I do want to compliment the University of Alaska Anchorage Community and Technical College based on us showing them this data. They have established a short course in using Microsoft Office and getting certified on that. That is available to workforce right now. Um, we also have you know, the simple ability to lift and then also other skills that are important in terms of in the workplace. When we look at soft skills, this one's pretty easy even though we do give the top 50, it's pretty easy to describe. Can you get along? Are you a team player? Do you pay attention? And are you polite and uh, easy to work with both as your fellow workers and with customers? That's basically what these top 10 soft skills represent. Um, and then when we look at other aspects of the report, there's also jobs location quotient that tells you whether or not a job is in higher demand here or lower demand here than the national average, and a lot of other data that can be extremely useful to you as employers as well as would-be employees. The report is online. Again, thank you to KeyBank for being our opening sponsor on this report. You'll be seeing these issued quarterly. Now let's turn to the mid-year jobs update. We just want to give you a sense of how things are going after our one-year forecast for the year. And unfortunately, we had thought that this year was going to turn out a little bit better. In January, we had forecasted the end of the recession, probably by about this time. Numbers were looking good, a lot of trending, heading in the right direction. Tenuous, but going in the right direction. Based on the last four weeks, we have now taken a completely different tact based on the data analysis that we have done. We'll talk about that in a moment. So we need to know where we're coming from. Last year, we lost 900 jobs in the Anchorage economy, just under a 1% loss, taking us up to well north of 5,000 jobs lost in our city over the course of this, what is now a three and a half year recession. I would describe this recession in two terms. The first term was the oil recession, the collapse of oil prices globally, which brought on an oil-based recession in terms of its impacts on the state economy in jobs, state treasury, and a number of other elements that uh, took place. That recession likely should have lasted about 18 months, and based on what we saw, 18 months to maybe two years, we were seeing the numbers representing that. But then we got caught up in an ongoing policy recession that extends back years. And that recession has been rooted in the inability of our state government to come up with a long-term fiscal strategy and creating uncertainty in the business community in terms of willingness to invest because tax policy was not clear, level of government services was not clear, and we ended up into an extended recession because of this inability to come up with a longer-term view of how we are going to address state policy. Um, that is a pretty uh, you know, tough situation to deal with because it has been ongoing for many, many years. So now we are here into this year. We'll talk more about our forecast for the coming three years in a minute, but I want to give you a sense of where we're at. We are now down 100 jobs for the year, just right on the margin of error, but about a tenth of a percent decline, and the unemployment rate has remained relatively steady between last year at 5.5% and this year at 5.5%. 
Now, don't be fooled. There's some things to talk about in, about this in a moment. But we should have been in positive territory at this point by a few hundred jobs. But we've seen a bit of a, of a significant starting of a decline in the numbers that has got us very, very uh, concerned, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Who is up so far this year? Well, we've had a very significant resurgence in construction. Construction is up by 600 jobs, but that is due to no small part to earthquake recovery. And that is a finite period of work activity. It's gonna go through the rest of this year and carry over into next year, and there may even be a few projects on the school side and on big major capital renovation side that will extend for a few more years. But the bulk of the broader economic impact of the earthquake in the construction sector is gonna likely take place this year and carry over into next year. We see several other categories that are seeing some uh, signs of positiveness, but I wanna point out one that is definitely a change in direction and that is healthcare. Healthcare has been a major driver of job growth for the last 15 years in Anchorage. Nearly one third of the job growth in our city over the last 15 years has come from healthcare. We have seen a noticeable chill in healthcare hiring. And we believe that that is due to the looming cuts to Medicaid, as well as some other aspects that may kick in in regards to this uh, slowing down in the general hiring trend. At 100 jobs up, that is the lowest we have seen in 15 years. So that's another thing to watch. They may not remain on this list for very long. Oil and gas is a good news story, up 100 here in Anchorage and up to nearly 10,000 jobs statewide. We have started the recovery in the oil patch, and that is a very, very positive sign, thanks to major investments by a number of companies represented in this room. Talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but I do want to put it into the context of the fact that we are still just under 5,000 jobs away from being fully recovered to all the jobs that we had reached as a record high before the recession began. And that was closer to 15,000 jobs. So we're on the path to recovery in the patch, and that is very good news for the state. The other sectors are just seeing modest growth, nothing that really stands out. So what's flat? Transportation, and then professional and business services, and I wanna to touch on this one for just a moment. This sector began the recession for their industry in 2014, and over the course of the recession that has gone on since then, they have lost over 3,000 jobs in Anchorage. So to reach a point where they're flattening out, that is great news for a sector that provides great jobs to our economy. Hopefully, we will see this uh, flat turn into growth over the next couple of years with new investments in the oil patch and federal military spending in our state. Who's down? Nothing super is surprising here. Retail is down. We've been seeing some national closures, part of a national trend in retail. We have been continuing to see the national trend of for every two bricks and mortar stores opening retail-wise nationwide, three are closing. And uh, that is a pretty significant headwind with the online uh, uh, competition that is now fully fledged and is out there in the marketplace competing for consumer dollars. We're also seeing declines in government uh, locally in pretty much all levels of government. Uh, basically, government employment in Anchorage currently is at a 21-year low. One out of five jobs in Anchorage are due to government employment, federal, state, local, University of Alaska, Anchorage School District, um, and then the military civilian hiring. Military active duty personnel are not included in those numbers. That's a federal decision, not mine. Uh, so just know that uh, this is a sector that we've been continuing to see uh, cuts to and now is reaching uh, recent lows that we have not seen in a couple of decades. 
Um, so with all of the job numbers in mind, let's now talk about Anchorage consumer optimism. We are a service-based economy, and when consumers are optimistic, that tends to throw gas on the economic fire. And we see more purchases going on, we see more activity like home purchases, like car purchases, like going out to department stores, going out to restaurants, going to the movies, it's all included. And when consumers become uh, less optimistic, that tends to slow down. And if you're not careful, if they become pessimistic, it can be an added gas to the downward spiral. So we pay very close attention to these numbers. This is our most recent quarter, and let's just dive into the numbers. In the third quarter of last year, we were in markedly positive territory. We were just shy of 60 on the scale of one to 100. And now in the, in the quarters that have happened since, we are now down to 53. We saw this uh, downward slide accelerate in the first quarter of this year and continues to drop right now by almost a couple of points from the previous quarter. We are now in what we believe is the we're not sure territory of 45 to 55. But the trending is definitely towards negative. Let's dig into the, just take a quick look at where we're coming from. You can see there's the recent high mark on the right side for the third quarter of last year. Um, that did happen to coincide with the fiscal solution that was partially put into place last year with the POMV. Uh, we were seeing some positive signs from business optimism too. Um, and so now here we are several quarters later and the direction has completely reversed. What makes up this uh, 53 number? There's three weighted measures. Confidence in the local economy is dead center pretty much in we're not sure in terms of local consumers. Um, the personal financial confidence still remains in the positive territory and that's always been a one uh, piece of hope that we've had in this survey since we in implemented it. It's never dropped below 60. So that's always been a positive sign for us. You know, basically I know all about my finances and I know I'm doing fine. I can put a roof over my head, keep my kids fed, have a car to drive, have a job to go to, but everybody else sucks. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we think that measure is. Um, and then we look at the numbers for future expectations. Where is the economy going? It has dropped precipitously and is now moving into negative territory. It's still in that I'm not sure phase, of 45 to 55, but that is not the right direction for this number to be going. And it's something that we're gonna be trying to keep an eye on and keeping the public informed. We publish this every quarter. It comes out on our website. If you follow us on Facebook or get onto our email list, you will know when these reports come out and you will see the data as it comes out on a quarterly basis. And we will report on it again at our January luncheon. So now here it is, let's dive into the outlook. Um, this outlook is compiled in partnership with the AEDC staff by the McDowell Group. We've been working with them for decades. Um, it is sponsored this year by GCI, Widener Apartment Homes, and Wells Fargo. And we deeply appreciate their support uh, for making it possible for us to present this report today. So let's start talking about the big macro movers. We, we look at a lot of different things. We're not going to be able to cover them all here today, but I wanted to dive in to some of the, uh, some of the key indicators in the report. Again. 27 pages of data available for you to pull down off of the web and go through in detail and provide us with questions if you have them. So we've been at a decline in population in Anchorage and that decline is accelerating. We're starting to see a little steeper movement downwards. And based on our projections of dropping down to just below 293,000 from our off of our all-time record high of 301, we're gonna lose about a decade's worth of population growth. We're gonna go back to 2010 levels of population. 
some things I want to talk about in terms of numbers that we're seeing in this. First of all, we are losing some population to the valley, and that's been a trend that we've been seeing for the last probably 15 years or more. And that has been all mainly in search of housing that is less expensive than what is available here in our city, or different types of housing that we are not able to offer. What we're seeing now is, is that in the last four years, 15,000 people have moved from Anchorage to the valley, and 9,000 people have moved from the valley to Anchorage, a net loss of about 6,000 people. That is a slowing trend. It is not anywhere near quite the rush that it used to be. And you'll see in the housing numbers that we present in a few minutes when we take a look at Matsu housing construction, you'll see maybe one of the underlying um, uh, recognitions of this changing trend. But the big number that is moving our population, our births have been better than our deaths by almost two to one. We've been very fruitful, good for you guys. Um, we've got a lot of kids, but that's a opportunity resource that is decades in the making when it comes to being workforce in our community. See what I mean? You know, it's kind of hard to have the six-year-old go down and take on the retail job or the construction job. So what we've been looking at is the in-migration, out-migration data from Anchorage to the lower 48 and from the lower 48 to Anchorage. And we found some interesting numbers. The last five years, without fail, every year, 16,000 people have moved from the lower 48 to Anchorage. And for the last five years, every year, 20,000 people have moved from Anchorage to the lower 48. We have a net loss of 20,000 people from the Anchorage population to the lower 48 over the last five years. Now we've got seniors mixed into that, heading off for retirement. Wouldn't it be great if we could offer them the kind of life and quality of life that they want here to stay here so that we benefit from their retirement years in terms of their contributions to the economy, but we've lost some of them to the lower 48. We have also lost kids as part of families that have moved to the lower 48. But we can't quite tell because the data isn't that detailed, but we've got a pretty good sense that a substantial portion of that 20,000 is adult working age individuals. It is a brain drain for our city. It is an absolute brain drain. This is the first time I've ever seen the numbers represented in a way where we could point to it and say, there it is. And this is why businesses in this room, pretty much across the board, are having challenges hiring qualified individuals to fill positions that they have open today. At whatever level of the economy you are operating within. This is one of our problems. We are not competing effectively to retain the workforce that we have or to attract the workforce that we need to fill the jobs for our community and have them live here. So we are looking now at the population numbers again dropping basically a decade's worth of growth. So now let's talk about employment. We superimpose the permanent fund dividend in the gray graph line over these bar charts to just once again represent clearly in terms of the broader economy, even at its peak at $3,000 with the energy rebate back in 2008, the permanent fund dividend has had little or no appreciable effect in terms of major employment bumps in our community. From our point of view, that proposition is a canard. It is a false premise. It does contribute to the economy, it does contribute to personal income, but it does not generate significant large numbers of jobs. It helps to soften out the decline in the retail employment numbers that we used to have at the end of summer in that kind of what used to be the dead zone between the end of summer and the Christmas holidays. 
employers are better able to hang on to their employees. So that's one thing where we wanted to represent once again. What we are forecasting, here it is folks, three more years of recession. Three more years of recession based on what we know today. This can change tomorrow, this can change again in a week, this can change again in a year. There are any number of variables at play, they are all pretty much rooted in the policy decisions that are under debate in Juneau. So we believe that with the impacts that are going to be felt in uh, sectors like, re uh, excuse me, healthcare, social services, and government, combined with other areas that we were seeing some weakness in, like retail, they will overcome opportunities that we have in terms of growth areas, the bright spots, if you will, that are in, related to construction, oil and gas, tourism, and some other smaller sectors that are showing positive growth. It will outweigh those growth sectors. And we will lose a net 700 jobs this year, and then based on the indirect and induced effects of those job cuts, as well as the carryover of some of those job cuts into next year, we will lose 1,000 jobs next year. And then a little kind of a trailer, 200 jobs lost in the third year out. So we are, we are on the precipice of taking a three and a half year recession that is now fully fledged as a policy driven recession. And we are talking about extending it another three years, maybe more. Because this does not take into account potential cuts in next year's budget cycle that have been talked about. And it doesn't take into account either any kind of veto overrides or, less, or lessening of red pen work in the bills that were just uh, delivered to, or are about to be delivered to the governor's desk. So that's the reality of it. Um, we will likely see jobs decline to 2007 levels. Well over a decade's worth of economic growth will be lost over the next three years in combination with what we've already lost. So now we look at personal income. It's been growing. Uh, we've seen inflation go up. We've seen a little bit of wage inflation as a result due to the tighter labor market and the signs of optimism that we were starting to get in the broader economy and we were seeing some positive movement towards business investment. But now we believe that that rate of growth will again end up up a little bit this year, but will then start to flatten out in the coming years. Um, one thing that I wanna bring to your attention that's another element to this is we are concerned that with the flight of workforce to the lower 48 and the net losses that we are seeing in population, this is gonna create more pressure to hire non-resident workers to fill jobs in Anchorage outside of some of the traditional sectors that are seasonal based like seafood manufacturing in our city or the tourism sector. We are already seeing anecdotally growth in the number of non-resident workforce uh, employees in a number of different fields. And this is the first real data that we've been able to identify that kind of represents that story. It goes to 2017 and basically we have a portion of the population of Anchorage that lives here but works somewhere else and brings their paycheck back here to deposit it in our economy. Slope workers would be the most obvious candidate for that category. But we also have a large number of workers who don't live here, who come here, work in Anchorage, and then take their paycheck back and deposit it in, in a different economy. The largest portion of that would be workers from the Matsu. We do get some economic activity from them, but not to the degree that we would get if they were residents. But we also have out-of-state workers that are coming in and filling jobs in Anchorage. Here's the representation of what that means to our economy. 
Workers in Anchorage who worked somewhere else like slope workers in 2017 brought back nearly $600 million worth of payroll that they deposited in our economy. But non-resident workers took $1.6 billion worth of payroll back home wherever they live outside of Anchorage. This is the first time in our history that we've had over a billion dollar net loss of payroll activity in terms of the value of that payroll to our city. And we do, do risk with the policy decisions that are in play right now, if we don't make the right decisions, we do risk seeing an increase in that net loss of payroll to somewhere else in the world outside of Anchorage. Maybe to the Valley, but more likely out of state. So these are things that we are concerned about in terms of the personal income numbers. Um, Anchorage passenger volume, let's get some good news going here. We just hit a record high. Um, our good friends in the tourism industry, thank you Visit Anchorage, thank you the cruise industry, thank you tourism businesses, period, because you've driven passenger number and passenger employment numbers up at Anchorage International Airport to record highs. And the outlook based on the tourism industry is for a very positive future of continued growth and potentially crossing the six million mark in passengers coming to, uh, getting off of a plane or getting on a plane at Anchorage International Airport. That's just some amazing numbers. Uh, we see a lot of things going on in this sector and remember the 22,000 jobs from Anchorage International are, are related to Anchorage International Airport. One out of 10 jobs in Anchorage are thanks to the airport. And I think that number is conservative and needs to be updated because I have a feeling it's closer to like one out of eight, maybe one out of nine. When we look at the cargo numbers, we saw a really good year last year, saw a very good year last year, but based on the current trade issues that we think are, are having a small effect on cargo tonnage numbers at Anchorage International, we're seeing a slight decline in the 2019 numbers projection. Just very, very slight. The good news is, is that the same number of airplanes are gonna still come through Anchorage International Airport. They're just gonna have a hair less cargo on those planes. And it, we believe, has a lot to do with the uh, tariff issues and the trade war potential issues between the US and China. One out of four airplanes in the cargo routes coming to Anchorage International Airport from Asia are coming from China. So that's kind of a big deal for us, and China is our largest trading partner as far as an export partner. When we look at the Port of Alaska volumes, they were up pretty nicely last year, and that's because of a big bump in uh, petroleum tonnages coming over the docks at the Port of Alaska, and that was to service mainly Anchorage International Airport with jet fuel. The airport consumes 600 million gallons of jet fuel every year. We are the ninth largest consumer of jet fuel out of the 50 states in the District of Columbia. So the port owes a lot of its success to the airport, and the airport owes a lot of its success to the port. They are two big pieces of infrastructure intertwined in our economy in ways that we need to make sure to protect and support in the coming years. We see tonnage numbers going up slightly over the next few years, and we also just want to call out the fact that we really do feel it is important for the municipality of Anchorage and the users of the port, um, as far as the major companies using the port, that they both work together closely in the coming years to come up with solutions that are rational and scaled appropriately for projections on future volumes. So it's gonna be very, very critical that the users are listened to to the greatest degree that they can be in the process of repairing and rebuilding our port. Building permit values, uh, recent record low last year. 
and we see a slight modest outcome this year. Mayor referenced the fact that we're up about 8% so far this year. We're hopeful that that holds. We'll see some nice modest increases in the values, and we see that continuing in the coming years. There's a lot of pent-up demand for replacement of damage from the earthquake and also just aging out of infrastructure. And most of the building permit activity is coming from the commercial side of things. Housing permits are only accounting for about a third of those permits. And then government is 9%, mainly due to the municipalities willing to reinvest in itself with the voters willing to approve bonds to fix roads and infrastructure in our community. So we don't see a really super bright outlook for the uh, building permit values, which means that there's probably not going to be significant new activity based on what we know today in the construction side of things, it's just gonna creep up just a little bit. Uh, single family home values gonna stay relatively within bounds of the last five year average. Um, there's not been a lot of huge amounts of construction. We didn't have a housing bubble like we did in the 80s. And so we see prices staying relatively stable uh, in at least at this point in time. But when we look at construction numbers, this kind of tells the story. You can see the last four years have been pretty thin, definitely well below those heydays of uh, 14 and 15. And then when you look at the Matsu numbers, because we know that a portion of the population has been moving to Matsu looking for housing, they had four really good years, but from 17 to 18, their completed housing units dropped by 20%, which we think coincides with that population inbound, outbound number that we gave you earlier of about 6,000 people net moving to the valley. When we look at oil prices, our last major indicator, we, are, we hit it on the barrel head for last year, $71. We were right. Man, who knew? Um, we usually have about a 500 batting average on that one. Um, projections based on government and private sector sources that we use to build this projection all point towards a relatively steady decline starting in 2019 in terms of average price per barrel of oil. The world is changing. $100 a barrel oil is a fond memory for us, and we need to get used to the new realities. The other thing that we wanted to point out this year is the uh, projections on production. This is coming straight from the state of Alaska Department of Revenue, and what we're seeing on throughput through the pipeline is we're gonna have a nice bump in 2020. There's some new production coming online that's gonna offset some declining production and get us back up to 530,000 barrels a day, but then we are starting a descent for the next few years below 500,000 barrels a day. That is a challenge. Now, there are significant investments in play for new North Slope production that could completely reverse this trend and bring us back up well over 500,000 barrels a day, potentially as much as 600,000 barrels a day. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, it's just a possibility. But, you know, because in this, you know, this is a very difficult projects to move forward, they're capital intensive, they're permit insane, and they have a built-in component for litigation. So just know that it's gonna be some years before we start to see the really significant benefits of these projects that are under development and we need to support them. Um, in summary, we did forecast a recession six months ago and today we are, are at the end of the recession and today we are not, based on what we know today. That is subject to change. But we needed to give you what we needed, what we knew today in the facts of the case that is before us. We didn't close this report until Monday. Normally we close it about a week and a half in advance of the event. But things were just changing on a daily basis. And they're still changing. But this is what we know today. It's a recession for three more years based on what we know. We are looking on the bright spots. We see 
great opportunities in tourism. The airport has two significant projects under development. We want to get those over the finish line and under construction that could put almost 1,000 people to work in the construction and then lesser numbers in the operation of those two facilities. But that's another bright spot. Oil and gas, I think I've already talked enough about. And then professional and business services will benefit from all of this new activity as it starts to develop. But on the weak spots, we are seeing retail uh, continuing to be challenged. Um, healthcare, again, based on what we're seeing in terms of their hiring trends and the discussions going on at the state in terms of significant Medicaid cuts. And then also government. And government within that government is the university structure and the significant issues that President Johnson has already spoken so eloquently about in terms of what they face. So when we look at where we're at in terms of the opportunity case, we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of three years to get through based on what we know today. And with that, you know, it could be as much as four, five, six years before a lot of these projects come online, but we think that there is an opportunity to get this going. So folks, we have problems. We absolutely have problems, but we have solutions. And if we just take on the fact that if we band together and start looking creatively as how we can deal with the one issue that's gonna be the biggest underpinning of problems for our community, it is how do we stop this bleeding of workforce? How do we make our city attractive to workforce? The locally grown workforce so that our kids don't move away, our grandkids don't move away, and the ability to attract workforce that we can't train up here because we're such a small population base and we're gonna have to pull healthcare workers from the lower 48. We're going to have to pull specialists in a lot of different industries that we don't have the critical mass of population here to prop up training programs on our own. And there is a nationwide competition for that workforce and you're gonna hear a lot about that from our keynote speaker. I don't wanna steal his fire but I would underscore the fact that we've got to start having conversations that are meaningful, that result in deeds and actions in terms of what we are going to do to take full charge of our destiny and no longer rely on others to solve our problems. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That is our presentation for today.